Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Buddy, welcome to the podcast. It's another Thursday morning. On my left, I've got the boss man, the CEO of our fine organization. Look fresh on the jet lag, buddy, it looks uh, like. <laughs> just into town. I, I've been up for one hour now we're recording this podcast. I, hope, I went to sleep for three. I hope we can energize you, man, because we've got a really exciting topic today. And on my right, we've got Pixel Pusher, Kai, Kaiser Sose. <laughs> it's John Myers. Uh, a regular guest on, on, on the Tropical MBA podcast. Why not? I guess so. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. This is a awesome. great topic. We're gearing up for Bangkok, the event. It's 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 looking to be like, it's got everything but a bouncing castle, man. I mean, it's like a whole week of festivities uh, ha- going down. Yeah, it's awesome to see in the D.C. It's just like event after event after event lined up around Bangkok. You're, an, organized. you're an East Coast kids, right? Did you guys yeah. have fairs when you were growing up? Like you go to the fair for the week? Like yes. you looked forward to it all? This, this is, is like, like my fair. It's Geek Spring Break. Yeah, in the fall, <laughs> so. we're gonna grease up some geeks and, and chase around the hotels. That was cool. There on? we are. <laughs> Your first buddy. All right. So today we're gonna talk about the rise of the mobile agent. Ten predictions for 2014. A little a couple weeks ago, I said let's talk about what we see happening. We do this a lot when we're sitting around having dinner or whatnot. What do we see coming down the pike for the location independent movement? Um, so let's just get started. Number one, John, this is one that you put forward. You said a distributed team of location-independent entrepreneurs will create a billion-dollar business. Yeah, I think the nature of the promise of the four-hour work week is changing. So we talked about this before where the idea of a muse business, you know, was something you focus on to sustain the lifestyle. And we're sort of ramping into another phase that I see. And that will be a large, scalable startup that's built by a location-independent professional with a distributed team. So the, so the prediction is, is office real estate prices are just going to plummet. Is everybody going to start moving to distributed teams? Are, do offices even make sense now that we've got HipChat and Skype and GroupMe? And what's the story? And wh- are we going to have our California office in three years? There's, some, there's still location-dependent jobs, and I think that that's, that's cool. But yeah, I mean, you know, now that we can speak through all these new different pieces of software, I mean, it's pretty amazing. I do think that there will be more of an element of, of meetups, though. So uh, mm-hmm. we're flying. Uh, some of our team in for Monday. We're going to have a meetup for our team in Bangkok. So I do see that probably happening more and more because I do think that people still need the physical connection. I think that that's absolutely important. It's it's really still hard to calibrate over we, some of these tools. We too. talked about meetups replacing offices. In fact, one of the things we thought about doing was employing our Philippine seminar format. Remember when we took entrepreneurs for two weeks? Kind of at the end of that project, we thought we should be doing this with our team. We should bring our team in for two weeks and do an intensive training. Yeah, so you spend the money that you would have spent on an office and you spend it on training in, yeah. in some kind of cool location. I and then you gain cool. it back on optimizations because you're globally optimizing your workforce. So, mm-hmm. you know, you hire people not 
where you're getting arbitrage opportunities, but where you're getting optimization opportunities. So I want the best designer in the world. Where is that person? Rather than someone who's within 50 KMs of my, or willing to move within 50 KMs of my office. Right, and the best designer in the world might not be in your neighborhood. Sure. So to be able to leverage that talent from anywhere is going to be super crucial. All right, the next prediction is right on the back of this stuff, which is the rise of distributed teams. And this is related with something I want to talk about, which is the fall in preeminence that it's been a short term. Everything happened so fast. Remember when the four hour work week came out, it was all India, outsourced to India. Have an Indian guy or a girl buy your plane tickets for you. Well, first off, the technology's gotten so good that you don't even need people to book airplane tickets for you. That's kind of booking.com solves my problem in five minutes. Mm-hmm. But there's also this issue of the Philippines kind of arose. It's like, oh, it's a much better alternative to India, and everybody kind of bought into that. And I don't see that continuing for the next five years. Here's the thing what's the edge that the Philippines had? English. It's going away. And I do think that there are cultural factors that make the Philippines less attractive than places like China or Vietnam or Brazil or whatever. I mean, there's a lot of other places that net-net might have better infrastructure, might have better education, might have more culturally interesting things to create great workers, like things like maybe work ethic. I don't want to get into a cultural thing, but... I think it comes down to one thing, is does your team have a contextual connection with the audience you're serving? Mm-hmm. So someone working from no man's land on work for you that's not core strategic is foolish. It's interesting because there is this line about the Philippines, which is that they're really westernized. In some ways they are, but in some ways they aren't. Like Saigon is a much more, quote, westernized city by any stretch of the imagination than Manila. Does that make sense? Like even though, yes, Manila is kind of in some ways more westernized, but there's a lot more western stuff here in in terms of design, in terms of culture. There's just a lot more here. So someone who grows up in this situation is going to be able to design better for that. I just think it's an interesting thing that's happening. I just want to clarify, like four years ago, you would have said, I want to hire a marketing assistant. Uh, I want them to put up content on my blogs for me. Should I go to the Philippines or Vietnam? I want to pay $400 a month. Four years ago, you'd say... Definitely Philippines. Now, I wouldn't say definitely Philippines. And what I think is happening that uh, maybe we're touching on here is this idea, like I I think that the idea of a VA got way more blown out than the actual use of a VA. In the value. Oh, you were talking about this. It's interesting. It's like we we, we built an industry of of all these workers when maybe we only needed half of them. But I also think in our industry, the way we compete with money, other well-funded sort of businesses that can't attract A-game is we compete through ideas, vision and lifestyle Mm -hmm. and so that's the leverage that we have you know with the types of businesses that we're running so we can now get a players yeah we can get a players and they can be all all over the world so what we did dan is uh we went and hired people when we were first starting out our business because we just couldn't afford people in california so we went to asia we found developers we found designers right and i still think that we would do that today i don't know where we would do it, but it, here's the thing: I think it's just easier to find these people on the internet in yeah. Romania, yeah, you know, and everywhere, anywhere, right? Yeah, and so it was much harder, I think, you know, five or six years ago to find these people online. So we actually showed up. <laughs> right now, there's just more there's more networking power online to be able to find these people. Right. So I don't think that it's. I, I think it's more about distributed networks, and it doesn't have to be in the Philippines anymore mm-hmm. because uh, it's just easier to find these folks. I yeah. don't know. I don't know. Either. Is that an offensive thing to say? I don't think it's offensive. It's just no. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to piss anybody off. 
Say something bad about the Philippines on the internet, man. People get pissed. <laughs> I don't think, I've I don't, said a lot of good things about the Philippines. I, you know, I love yeah, the country. I mean, we've spent a lot of time there. I don't think we're saying anything bad. I think we're, t- we're talking about distributed networks and where the epicenter is. And I feel like the epicenter for virtual assistance was in the Philippines. And yeah. It might not be in the future. It's distributing out. That's right. Absolutely. Totally agree. All right. So the role of the city evolves. So the fundamental idea of prediction number three is that as location independence becomes more of a reality for more people, the value of location becomes more important. Does that make sense? Because what's gonna happen is that people have more flexibility in where they go. So the places that have more compelling value propositions are going to acquire users faster, in other words. So you look at a place like Chiang Mai, we were saying there might be hundreds with an S of internet marketers there. How many internet marketers were there 10 years ago? And so what you're seeing is these, these kind of these cultural shifts, these rivers of people moving around very fast. And that has a big impact on the places and on the people who move to those places. Yeah, well, and think about plugging into these cities and how that impacts your growth as well, right? So if you're able to plug into a place like Saigon and instantly network with 50 entrepreneurs who are all at a certain level, your growth is going to accelerate tremendously. Look at Mike and Yuvi's business. Yeah. We're a couple of DCers. And their business went from zero to hero yes. so fast here by plugging in. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's like uh, I think in the U.S. it used to be called, or it still is, like the Chamber of Commerce. Is that what it is? Like on a <laughs> yeah. level, like yeah. we're creating these like little Chamber of Commerces in Vietnam and Chiang Mai yeah. and stuff like it's that. It's true. It's really exciting to see. You know, people can just show up on the ground and they can start booking business because that's what's happening. I love that. It's like you're leveraging the flow that's already in place. Yeah. If you look at, I was just looking at Mike and Yuvi's client list. A lot of familiar names on the client list. Yeah. I mean, would they have gotten those clients if they would have been in Houston? Yeah. Or, Let's explain why that is, though. Why is it that you can't show up to Houston and get directly plugged in? Why is the scene so much stronger in Chiang Mai? Because it's a digital t- entrepreneur. Because you're uprooting and going somewhere. So your openness to connect is definitely wider. You have more of an interest to connect when you're uprooting and going somewhere, I think. So we're all in the sort of similar circumstance, you know? So we're yeah. all expat entrepreneurs and we do interact with locals, but generally speaking, we spend a lot of time with each other. And so I think that impacts your ability to attract business in a positive way. Yeah, it's an incredible, it's, it's an exposed piece of flesh. It's legible, man. You can just yeah. see it right away. John, you tweeted an article the other day. I just, this is a little off topic, but I think it's enough on topic about New York and the creative talent leaving New York. Yeah, so the, it was uh, by David Byrne, one of the talking heads, and he was talking about how if the 1% make it difficult for creatives in New York, then he's out of there. And my comment on that article was, been there, done that. It's, a, it's been like that for a long time. <laughs> He's just waking up to that fact. Right. That it's very difficult to be a creative in a city like New York City. Yeah. Yeah, he kind of went off the deep end. I mean, he had yeah. some crazy theories like uh, New York was going to turn into a, basically a museum, like something like Rome, right? It's like where <laughs> people don't actually live there. They just vacation there. Or- well, and that's maybe one of the consequences of this top layer of Digerati having so much flexibility. You know, my friend once mentioned it's a popular trope to say that people in New York have more in common with people in London than they do with people in Indiana. I think that's partly a consequence of what we're talking about here. And we're just seeing the trickle down. Like that's happened with the major metros and like the banking industry or whatever. But now it's happening with with us, like middle middle class. And if you think of cities, not to interrupt, as like brands. So each brand has its moment in time and its defensible position of what they attract. So right now, sort of New York City's brand is attracting, it's a beacon for placing global wealth in real estate. So you have Russian oligarchs planting money in New York City real estate and buying up $40 million penthouses. You have 
other, you know, oil barons buying up property. Which creates a that. difficult situation for the bootstrapper, right. our crowd, which is why, you know, what I love here is I was talking to a friend recently who came here and invested only $5,000, plane ticket and all, to get up to speed and cash flow in the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's a very, as an artist, as a creative person, you need to get in control of that cash flow if you want to control your time. Right. Yeah. So if you're hanging out in, well, forget about Manhattan. That's not even an option, right? Yeah, you're right. talking about Queens that are, you know, <laughs> hanging out next to a sausage shop if you're lucky. <laughs> Point number four, location-centric ambient intelligence. What are, what's the topic here again? I think the, the to- <laughs> that was my big words, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> this, this topic is, uh, you know, what we see coming down the pike. What does this mean for business people, John? Okay, so first of all, I think Google Glass, which is launching here pretty soon, is an interesting thing. And so I do think Google Glass will sort of be like the digital clock radio. It's going to be like the beta VCR, the Walkman. It's going to look really goofy. Right. But what I do think is that it's ushering in something that's inevitable, which is wearable computing that unlocks ambient intelligence in your environment. So that's really important, right? So as a business person to leverage that behavior of what's coming with wearable computing, that's something to put on your radar, right? You know, and, yeah. and as a user, it is incredibly empowering, right? So if I'm walking down the street and I'm getting real-time information on this restaurant, on this shop, on at this place, which other people will gladly leave me that information. Right. I just need the tool to unlock it as I'm moving then that becomes extremely powerful. So I think in terms of mindset, one of the things I think about here is like when I look at like generations of entrepreneurs, the last generation was very much about like trying to control networks. You know, the example of like owning your own server and making sure that Outlook's installed on it because you want to manage your own security and all these kinds of things. This kind of idea of like leveraging the nodes that are going to be everywhere. I mean, if your business doesn't take advantage of the nodal information that's out there, of yeah. the networks that are out there. Well, and the other so things- giving up some kind of control, I think, is important, right? Like you look at um, even restaurants, for example, like they can't control Yelp. Like that's a network that's out of their control, right? So they have to figure out a way to leverage the network. That's right. So yeah, to be aware of what's coming like that is very important. But also, just in terms of this idea of Google Glass and wearable computing and what that will spark, the opportunities for massive wealth creation always exist in centralizing and adding value to decentralized markets. And in my opinion, nobody owns that right now. It's fair game for anybody. And it's the same uh, true with virtual currencies, which is something else we see on the horizon as well. So if you guys want to read more about this, by the way, we've got links to all these things we're mentioning at tropicalmba.com slash predictions. Point number five, we just brought it up. Virtual currencies will gain a broader acceptance. Are you one of those Bitcoin Crazy nuts? <laughs> um, I wouldn't say crazy nut. It's but the real deal, right? It's, it's, it's got to happen. It's got to happen. It'll happen out of necessity, out of frustration, out of pain. But it, the way I see Bitcoin and virtual currencies is the way I saw Friendster, MySpace. Right. It's, it's something's going to overlap. This this is not going to be yeah. the pancake at the top of the stack. I don't know if it's going to be. Have you ever heard anybody say that before? Fu- <laughs> <laughs> pancake. Yeah, who knows, right? It's So it's one of those things, but I don't think it's going away. And so right now, invest, people are investing in their education. I'm investing in my education on it. I'm trying to figure out, are there any picks and shovels I can you know, add to this conversation, to this 
phenomenon that I see happening. Start a yeah, virtual currency blog. That's a winner, right? Yeah. yeah. And it, there's a bunch of people in the D.C. that are really into this. I try to follow them and, yeah. and try and read up on this stuff as much as I can because, like you, John, I just want to get educated on this. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you don't want to uh, be left behind by this. Is, is this going to be the same thing as that happened with PayPal? This is going to op- unlock an inventory of talent around the whole world, right? Because you don't have to go through a bank in order to get paid for services. Yeah, you don't have to Western Union your money and earnings back to your family in your home country. It you cuts out all the asset strippers. You don't have to fly to a place that has open banking legislation to set up a company. You just get the currency direct to you. There's a lot of people that can't do business right now in the world. It's, you know, We take it for granted that we right. can do business. And yeah. even it can be complex for guys like us that have, all the res- have a lot of resources relatively. Yeah, right. And I think uh, – I, I don't know if it's going to be Bitcoin. That, that doesn't yeah. seem like it's it's been decided like Bitcoin is the answer. But it definitely seems like, hey, this is this is the beginning of something unique, yeah. especially if the Fed keeps printing money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, now they can't even print money. <laughs> number, number six, crowdfunding, micro-lending, and easy money. So the theme of this – there's a theme emerging, which is the mobile agent. It's the rise of the individual. It's this idea that everybody's an entrepreneur, right? And you're seeing this like the former paradigm was corporations or organizations, startups that require venture angels or they require some kind of financial institution. Now you're seeing the self-organizing, leveraging platforms like crowdfunding, like virtual currencies potentially in the future, that you can develop a compelling idea and get the money funded right away. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing, man. So Jimmy and Doug Manal. Let's uh, take a look at that. Gosh, uh, over $200,000 they raised. How about the applause effect for that? Fabulous That's work there. It's and, incredible. And it's they're not, a lot of people are doing this. Yes. A lot of people are leveraging these networks to get their businesses off the ground. And I think it's amazing. And I also think that this is going to happen a lot in the future. <laughs> people are going to fund their companies off their friends and off their networks and uh, well, cash is the ultimate validator you know so if you launch a kickstarter campaign you launch a yeah. crowdfunding campaign and nobody is buying into it you've validated your idea yeah you know, adi said cash market. is the only validation remember how it used to work you just have to get into this special organization and they were special they're called kleiner perkins and they're special because they've got the limited relationships with the other people who did the special organizations and who had the resources to get that level of capital i mean 200 grand is nothing to, to sniff at. That's a big it's chunk a big of deal. money. Who's yeah. got 200 grand laying around? Well, that's not a question we need to answer anymore because everybody's got 20 bucks. Yeah. Right. That's the interesting thing. I, I think, think one of the things you'll see with crowdfunding, I, I'm actually uh, advising a startup now that's focused on being the Alibaba meets Kickstarter of hardware. So they're focused just on that problem of how do you crowdfund the development of hardware. And one of the things that's cool is they're plugging in experts to help you actually refine your prototype, to have something really polished and they are connected to the entire supply chain. So wow. it's going to be, you'll start to see all these little niche crowdfunding up, uh, sites pop up to tackle really tough problems. We're not even going to talk about MakerBots and all that stuff, but of course. Uh, crazy. We could go on forever about this stuff. Yeah. Number seven, the increased importance of having a personal blog. Having some kind of depot centralized on the internet is related to this rise of mobile agents thing. You absolutely have to have a, a place that says, what you do, who you do it to, and how much it costs, and an opportunity for someone to send you that virtual currency. It just amazes me. And I want to I add something else here strategically, and I want to call it the one-hour rule, is that for anybody to do some kind of significant business with you, 
They need to have interacted with you for about an hour. Let's put it that way. And it, generally that happens on the telephone. Well, that's not that leveraged. So how about you give people a way to interact with you for one hour on that personal blog? I don't, if I want to do business with you, say give you $500, $1,000, I don't want to read a 250-word bio. I want to dig in. Write from me, the guy who's about ready to send you $500. The other thing about that is if you're having trouble with this, think about the problems that your market has. Just flip on the mic on your laptop and talk through it. Today, my friend Josh gave me a great intro on uh, Node.js. I was curious. Now, if you're going to hire a Node developer, don't you think you'd like to hear that developer talk for 15 minutes about that? You want to see that? how they think. So it's an, it's an opportunity to showcase your thinking. Yeah. You know, how are you creatively solving problems? You know, what's your, that's part of your personal platform, right, is your approach to solving the problems that your audience are in pain or, or what they're in pain about. Right. So. Yeah, it's it's crazy, you know. We're we're just a couple jerks making portable bars, you know, and then we <laughs> we flipped on the microphones and started talking about our process. I mean, I think it's uncomfortable speaking, for people, right, to externalize their their self. Right. It's like it's like you at scale. Your Facebook account doesn't quite cut it for me. I want to I want to see you at scale. I want to see the kinds of conversations that you have with your partners, in particular in enterprise. I want to see those conversations virtualized. Right. I want to be able to participate in them. And if we can make the prediction that 80% of the workforce or something ridiculous, I forget what Seth Godin said, becomes an entrepreneur you know, 10 years from now, I, I think that, that it's going to be really important that you're able to broadcast and express yourself. That's what uh, Seth Godin was saying. Is like, look, you got to be able to express yourself because in the future you're going to work for yourself. Mm-hmm. Number eight, speaking of which, we used to say on this program it takes a 1,000 days to create a business that pays you as much as your corporate gig did. And by business, we mean something you can walk away from for a couple months. How about 500? I'm seeing this thing happen faster. Is the community getting more efficient? Are we helping each other out more? Am I drinking too much Kool-Aid? What's the story here? Is it getting all easier to start above. a business? I think all of the above. <laughs> I it, think so. Is it yeah. getting easier to I start think a business? It's definitely getting started. It's, it's definitely getting easier, especially in our network, right? Because we've all started to identify opportunities for each other. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's powerful. And I think that there's other networks that are doing this too. Yeah, I think so. I think part of it is just the information is getting optimized as well. You know, so the information that's at your finger, fingertips now to actually execute and get started is incredible. I mean, when I first started doing this 15 years ago, I didn't have Google at my fingertips and I didn't have this abundance of information. But now Google is your business plan. If you can't search for information, you're done. If you can, you'll figure it out and you'll get started faster. Google is your business plan. We write that down. But you think about simple things like the fact that this microphone is plugging into USB. There's no mixing board. If we wanted to take a video of this, we could do it on our telephone. I think there is an issue of the technology has reached a threshold where it's relatively easy to provide a lot of value as an individual to others. Even things like the WordPress platform is, like, I think, really critical for what we're doing as yeah. well. It's an incredible time to be a creator. Number nine, the disintegration, continued disintegration of borders and the increased importance of things like uh, globalized bank accounts and corporations and passports and stuff. I mean, it's just amazing that passports didn't exist 100 years ago. Singapore was a meadow 30 years ago. And we just seem to think that this stuff's sort of baked in baked already and why isn't there countries going to do things like chile and singapore is doing more radically and say hey you can just become a citizen 
If you have a business, you can become a Why isn't that going to happen? I think it will happen. I think there's such a, a competition for global talent that cities are recognizing that, countries are recognizing that. And it just so happens that countries like Singapore are smaller, more nimble. Mm-hmm. And so that actually is a competitive advantage for attracting a certain class of people. And I think you'll see it as well. I think there's going to be fierce competition. I think something radical is going to happen in the next 50 years. You get that sparkle sure. in your yeah. eye, buddy. Yeah, I mean, it's just... It's it's just crazy the way that we're able to move around and it's still you know country to country it's still kind of difficult like if you if you look at kind of the visa situation that we have going on in asia i think that that's probably going to disappear i mean i showed up today in saigon airport you know it's like you got the one window with the three guys and it's just like yeah. no it's like five years from now it's like I, maybe you're going to scan something and just walk right through i'm a citizen of the world kind of thing yeah. i don't know what's going to happen but it's it's going to be easier to move around and i think that a lot of these uh visa rules that some of these countries have i think they're going to get rid of them when they start to realize that hey we're here building teams we're here spending money and i think that that they're, they're going to start to value yeah that. maybe there'll be a clout score for your global citizens as a global citizen your cloud score i think this is this cloud score thing is not an insignificant trend i think that understanding you know i've been talking a lot about crm mm-hmm. and how now it matters a lot what your customer's public profile is and it, that could be driven by data so what's more valuable to you a customer that spent 150 dollars and has 100 twitter followers or one that spent 100 dollars and has 10,000 twitter followers yeah. now you can make that judgment for yourself but it would be interesting if you were empowered with that data Mm-hmm. I think that could be that's going to yeah. be a trend. So it's like every customer now has one foot inside of your business and one foot outside of your business. Yeah. So maybe countries will start looking at that data as well. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so. Why wouldn't they? All right. So finally, this is a also a wish. It's a, it's half prediction, half wish. Cheap global communication and Skype. I've been on this horn right. Two thousand eight. Skype in, Skype out. Game changer. You manage your team. You manage your clients. If you're a bootstrapper, you go from, in 2006, spending a couple grand a month, in 2008 to spending $10 a month. This was a, this 2008 is the year that digital nomadism blew open. I think that's, we'll look back and we'll say that's the beginning of the hockey stick. Now I'm asking the question, why don't I have one phone number and one SIM card? Why? T-Mobile. T-Mobile. What's just going on? With, I heard about this. Ago. Now, yeah. don't I have to sign up for a contract for that? I don't know the details, but I know that they just came out with a global plan. So, yeah. uh, ostensibly, you can use T-Mobile all around the world. A lot I don't of pe- know the details. Though. A lot of people ask how they could help us, and we don't ask for help a lot. But, man, if a listener would write in and say, how can we solve this problem? I'm, I'm ready to solve this problem. If it's T-Mobile, let's do it, buddy. Cause I, I think the problem is, is you know, who controls the pipes in said countries that we go to? Yeah. So I, I think the only way around the pipes is the Internet, right? But you still need something to connect, you know, via. You've got a local problem then too, right? If you have like the T-Mobile phone number and you want Vietnamese mobile carrier person to text you that might be expensive, right? Yeah, yeah right now it's kind of getting ca- patched together, right? We got all it's these like Google like, Voice yeah. and, and GroupMe yeah, and Viber, and, Viber and, and WhatsApp and I'm buzzing from 10 different directions nowadays. And I've got my Skype in and iMessage. I think iMessage, you know, is definitely cool, right? Yeah. You can keep your same email address or phone number and message through iMessage. So I think that they're kind of uh, Apple's kind of started to figure it out a little bit, but yeah. I think it's going to get a lot better. Yeah, it's pretty. I cool. think Amazon's going to solve this problem. They're just going to come in and bomb it. It's going to use a WhisperNet technology. You're going to whisper anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Send me a wisp. <laughs> Love it.
<laughs> All right. Hey, John, thanks for joining us and helping us to assemble some of these these predictions. Uh, we love to talk about this kind of stuff. So do check out the blog, tropicalmba.com slash predictions. We'd love to hear what you guys think about what we think and, and send us more reading material and stuff. This is pretty exciting stuff. Definitely. All right. So we'll see you guys next Thursday morning with Tropical MBA podcast. Thursday morning. What are we doing? 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time? 8 a.m. Why don't we do Eastern Standard we'll Time? Is that... We'll be- <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.